On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about the jobs to take and the jobs to lay aside. How do you handle the differences between busy time and not so busy time in your workplace? All that and more next on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A State of Control. This is A State of Control, episode 25, recorded Friday, July 1st, 2016. Picking right. A State of Control is brought to you by our fine group of underwriters, companies like HD Base T. Welcome to A State of Control, Navy Nation's monthly broadcast podcast, I'm sorry, dedicated to the control and programming aspect of the AV industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt, and uh, with me today is the original cast of Estate of Control from episode one. I'd like to welcome uh, Uncle Richie, Rich Fergoza. How are you, Mellow- Hey, good morning, Mellow West Coast greetings. Well, technically, for those watching us on video, it is a broadcast, so you know, we can get away with it. You are- Two things can be equally true. Exactly. There you go. And as well, uh, our the founder and uh, chief of Aviation, uh, Tim Albright. Hello, Tim, I ain't chief of nothing. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, good friend and uh, fellow programmer uh, or, or owner of programming company, um, Mark Levecchia from BMA Software Solutions. Good morning, and thank you for having me, gentlemen. Good morning, Mark. So today. Um, I thought it would be good to talk about because of the the timeliness of it is uh, how do you handle when business gets demanding when when, uh, there's an increase because I I find that our business is very cyclical and uh, we could pretty much predict at certain times of year that we're going to find a spike in our business and and, uh, it's unfortunate because you can't necessarily grow your staff to be able to accommodate that volume throughout a whole year usually because you have to keep them busy and you want to you want to keep everybody employed but uh, the, there, there are definitely some challenges and some obligations that we have as uh, programmers to to uh, keep up with the demands and also keep up with the needs of our customers um, Mark can I, I imagine that you could probably relate to this. And um, yeah. how, how do you prepare yourself for a busy season? And, and do you find that you have uh, a, pre- a handle on being able to predict when a season uh, is going, when, when a spike in business is coming? Uh, I actually have no experience on this whatsoever, Steve. I've never had this problem before. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Maybe- Gee, thanks. <laughs> I'm, and that's the show. And Thank that's you for the listening. show. See you later. Um, you know, one of the things that I have found interesting is we're we're 12 years old. You're 18 or 19 now uh, years old. Um, I can take. You've heard me say this before. I can take every April over the last 12 years and stack it over each other, and any similarities that first quarter or a particular month had with a previous from any other year is absolutely just. Um, it, it's it's a coincidence. Uh, it's it's impossible for us to be able to predict what's coming and what's not coming in terms of a business cycle. Uh, 
uh, we know that the summer is going to be busy because the schools are closed, so we're going to be rolling in those classrooms and so forth. But beyond that, being able to predict this uh, is, is very, very difficult to do. <clears throat> so there are things you have to do to be proactive about it so that it doesn't catch you by surprise. Um, one of the things that we try to do, we're not great at it, but we're better at, is uh, following up on proposals, on quotes, on projects that we have out there that could be coming in. Because our problem when something, when we get busy and we're trying to juggle everything, what we find is that's because we didn't do a good enough job tracking something. So all of a sudden we're doing pretty well. We've got the plates spinning on the sticks, so to speak. And all of a sudden a big job comes in and we're like, oh, why didn't we see this coming? Well, we did see it coming because we had a proposal. So what we try to do is, is to be proactive about it and follow up on even the smallest proposals to say, when is this coming in? Do you think it's coming in? And if it is coming in, when are you going to want it? So we can start lining up the airplanes and bringing them in. Um, that's that's for us has been the best step that we've been able to do for it because other than that, Steve, I simply can't predict month over month, quarter over quarter, year over year, can't do it. Hmm. I, but you would would agree that you would at least under anticipate the summer as being the busier time. The summer is always a busier time simply because of the university business. Um, they shut down, the rooms are open, or they're putting in a new building, or uh, so that part of it we can prepare for, and as a result we try to keep and it's difficult for us because what we try to do is keep our guys from taking PTO at that time because we know that's when we're going to need all hands on deck. The problem with that is, at least for us, most of our guys have kids that just finished school and they're on summer vacation. So they're getting ready to plan whatever trip they're going to take for the holiday and I'm going, no, don't leave when everybody else is leaving. You know, So that that creates a small jam for us but fortunately over the years our guys have come to understand that you know summer's a busy time and we just have to pedal faster at that time but other than that the rest is unpredictable sure right now i can relate to you on that respect and i i although it, it's beautiful weather out there i can't tell you the last time that i i took any time off in the summer or at least anything significant right um so so rich being that a good part of your business is more on the residential side do you also see that that spike at a certain time of the year? And I, I'm anticipating, but you could tell me if I'm wrong that, that yours is probably closer to the holidays. Yeah, we. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, the lion's share, uh, the stuff we do is residential, and you know, the the running joke I guess we've always had is that you know, I mean, we're 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 one of the tradesmen. We're just like the plumber. We're like the sheetrock guy. I mean, we follow the construction cycle. So the way the construction cycle goes is the way that we go, and invariably it always happens around the major holidays. So you know our first push is right now. Um, so we're just wrapping up all of the I need stuff ready for my July 4th blowout over the weekend, um, and then we hit our you know our next milestone. Well, we had Memorial Day, you know major holidays. So you've got you know Memorial Day, uh, you've got Fourth of July, you've got Labor Day, and then you move into kind of the trifecta of holidays with. Uh, you know, with Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Eve, and, and generally when people are building these residences, they have these milestones in mind. They never go, oh gosh, you know, October 3rd sounds like a great time to move in. You know, it's always, you know, we always hear the story of, you know, I want 25 people at my brand new house for Christmas, you know, never mind that the house is, you know, and, and it's always been a tragedy every time that we've heard those ones, but you know, and it's, it's we, but we understand that though those are, you know, again, we're in somebody's house, and there's a very specific attachment to it, so we follow um, along with it. Um, you know, from a, it's an interesting 
question that you pose about when when business grows and it, it always winds up for me going back to a bigger question which is what is your company identity because that that's really the first thing that you have to consider are you looking to take over your market and and be one of the the big players in your market so to speak and have X number of employees and growing and, and building and, and going out there. And, and, you know, that that is one model that um, I think a lot of people aspire to. Um, we originally started in that model years and years ago. Um, you know, when we first started, as we were one of the first um, contract programming houses in the country. I mean, Mark remembers when when we started, yay, in the mid-90s. Um, and, and that was, you know, initially the goal. And from a business standpoint, I was still involved in a, in a larger company and we had four divisions. And um, as a business owner, you also have to take a step back and, and kind of ponder what's going on. And, and I've always used a, a sports term, which is as a business, the first thing you have to learn is how to play within yourself. Um, and that's that's the biggest key is determining where your skill set is, if you want to grow, if that business you want to go after, because the minute that you decide to go after that type of revenue stream, you are feeding the beast now, right? Because now you're bringing on staff. Now you're growing. Now you're ramping up. And all of these side things start start happening, you know? What do you do during this little period? You know, you can't just bring people in and then lay them off and bring them in and lay them off, you know? That, that, that puppy's not going to come back after you kick it the third time, you know? It's just not going to work that way. Um, and so our view and what we took it is we went back, we, we, you know, we, we are a boutique um, operation um, and the way that we've constantly worked and, and we look at it with rare exceptions I mean sometimes it's projects you can't turn down even though you know you should but we try to pick right and I think that's probably the the more important thing which is you you pick your partners correctly um, whoever you're gonna be working with in terms of your scheduling and if you've got a group of integrators that you work with or your universities or any of these consistent clients um, my feeling has always been if you do good work, you, you're proactive, you plan, and you also kind of go out of your way and say, look, I am going into my busy season, all right? This is, this is I can't necessarily drop everything to be able to help you. So let's, let's, let's go ahead and decide that we're going to do this or not. And if we decide or not, then, you know, we'll put you in the next cycle or, you know, we start using the term expedited rates. You know, I mean, again, if you're all hands on deck, uh, we had that happen just uh, uh, about two weeks ago. And people saw it on social media. I mean, I pulled 40 hours straight. It was it was brutal, but it was just one of those ones where we went, eh, all right, you know, it's, it kind of came out of nowhere. We're kind of busy. So we, you know, we, we, we constricted the timelines in between. And those are the exceptions. But I think that you can't run a business um, at, at kind of running in the red line that entire time. So I've always found that you always have to take a look and decide where you're going to pick right. And and especially in the busy season, sometimes the smartest moves you make are the, are the projects you pass on um, just because of the frustration level, because it, it only takes that one bad project to completely poison part of your down, your, your, your downline. I, if I jump in real quickly, one of the things that he brought up is really important is um, he just had a project that he had where he would pull him straight 40 hours. Um, and, and that's good because it's your company. Uh, but we try really hard, and I'm sure all of you do, we try really hard not to have our guys face those projects ever. Because programmers are a different animal than, than pretty much any other part, a component of a system. Uh, you need their brains healthy. You need them, uh, you need their brains clear 
and focus. And if they're overburdened, uh, I've, for the 10 years I was at Crestron and long after, I've seen programmers go into the fetal position because you're pushing too much work to them in the time that they have. Can they get it done? Sure. Are they going to be okay when you're done? No. Um, so Rich can do it because Rich is the boss, and so he, you know, he, he, he can do it and go well. Absolutely, and and I and I'm I'm the first one to say that yeah, I'm in the trenches with it. Yeah. You know, I mean there there's, you know, when you are dealing with, and that is a decision. And again, because again, you know, one of the things to remember, that, you know, let's also consider, you know, I mean there's a lot of guys out there like me. There are one, two, three guys, right. you know, at most. So you do have people who have a vested interest, and there is that process of spree to core. And I will agree with Mark because when in my prior iteration, um, you know, there were things that I, I would not ask my guys to do, you know, or if I was or if I asked my guys to do it, I was standing right next to them the entire time we were doing it. It's not something that you can just send guys out and say, yeah, by the way, you know, your family life, your personal life, not nah, just toss it aside. We need, we need this project, you know, I mean. Um, you know, there there is that as we're getting older. You know, I mean, again, in, in my 20s, it was like, yeah, rock and roll. Here we go. You know, it was fun. You know, and, and but in your 40s, you know, I'm getting closer to 50 than I am 40. Um, you know, there there is a period of time that the work-life balance, and, and you have to stick with that. Um, and it's a fine line. And and um, I think over time with experience, you start figuring it out. Um, but but Mark makes a, a really really good point. You have to be very very careful when you make that request and it has to be an extreme exception to the rule or marks like mark was saying or it's not you know and again resi is a little different than commercial i mean again it's a, there are different dynamics that are involved in terms of, of deadlines in some of these instances um, but i think what we're, we keep kind of coming back to is picking right and always picking right and making that that decision is is this going to benefit us long term because if it's not if you're just going to burn everybody out you're going to wind up you know, uh, you know, pooching the punt on 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 the next three projects, and you know, the 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 end result is is going to be positive. I think you guys touched on a lot of good stuff there, and I I'm going to pick uh, one to start on, and and uh, I'll uh, take it to you, Tim. As far as managing a team, and I know that you, you've had experience with that in in a previous uh, life. Can you tell me about how to pick the right person for a project, and and how how do you um, avoid somebody getting burned out? Well, you've got a couple of different options. Uh, first of all, sometimes you don't have the option, depending on the size of your team, right? Uh, you know, Rich mentioned the fact that there are a lot of folks that are one, two, maybe three-person shops, and and figuring, you know, managing those those projects depends on who's free, right? Who's who's available next on that? Um, now, if you've got a situation where you have somebody who is maybe more attuned to, you know, AMX programming as opposed to Crestron. You know, they and a lot of these folks that they they when they program, a lot of programmers will kind of migrate to one or the other. They can do both, but they, you know, they their preference or or their their skill set lends it to one or the other. I had um, at Innovad we had um, you had a, a, an ace that had like every single an AMX ace that had every single certification he could. Right, that he, he was he was our AMX person. Uh, another folks, another uh, one of our programmers was several level Crestron, right? Now, they could both do the opposite ones, but when you look at your timeline, and, and, and Mark mentioned, you know, being aware of what's coming next, and, and you, you are aware because you're, you're, you're the one putting in the, the proposals. You're the one who's, who's forecasting and saying, yes, we can, we can do this. 
you look at, at what the, the components of the system are. Is it an AMX system? Is it an AMX system with fusion and this, that, and the other? Is it a Crestron system that's pretty basic? You, you assess and you go, okay, my, you know, programmer one is on this and it, they're going to be, you know, a month or two left on this project, but I've got this other one that's, that, that's really more geared towards them. So now that you want to, it, it's the whole, you know, changing trains uh, in, midstream. But if, if you have a project that is more attuned and, and, and perfect for one of your programmers and they happen to be on something else, you have to make a decision. Do you switch programmers midway through? Or do you simply pass? You know, both Mark and, and Rich have, have mentioned passing on jobs because it's simply not worth it. Um, if you don't feel like you can pass or it's a good project and you can, you can switch people midway through, you do that. If you can't, there were things that we did. We subcontracted a lot um, for base programming. Uh, we didn't do any, any subbing for uh, rolling things up on site or going to clients' uh, warehouses. But we would subcontract your base code. And what that allowed us to do is that allowed us to kind of get a running start on uh, a number of projects before our programmers took over. So you would do things like whether it was sub out uh, touch panel design or you sub out uh, you know, base programming, just laying out, just the physical act of laying out uh, join numbers and, and, and things of that nature. That helped our programmers along because then they could take the, pro- the program from there and, and be a little bit more successful than having to worry about all the setup stuff. And Steve, I, I, I'd like to jump in real quickly because I have a totally different take on that. He's right in what he's saying in, that, in terms of what you're – what the individual programmer's strengths are, whether they're AMX or Crestron or doing their DSP or whatever, uh, you want to try and line them up with the jobs that make the most sense with them. Uh, one of the odd, I don't know if it's an odd dynamic, maybe we all have it and we don't talk about it much, for us is um, of the programmers, we've got, there's six of us at, at my company, five of them are doing code, okay? Um, and they all have, um, they, they all have a, a kind of a label to them in terms of the type of code that I prefer for them to do. I want one guy to do the big jobs. I'm going to do a seven, eight, ten room divisible system. That's going to be my partner, Barry. That's him all the time. He's, he likes to do that. He's great at that. He sees the whole field and he's good at it. Um, sometimes we get a uh, <clears throat> sometimes we get a clunker into the garage, and it's something that somebody has inherited. It's a piece of garbage. They don't have a lot of time. They don't have a lot of money. But it's a consistent customer of ours, and we don't want to turn them away. We want to take care of them. Uh, and I have a guy who loves to open up clunkers and make them work. Uh, now, we're careful in the, which one we choose, but he loves to get in there and open up the hood. And you could just see the, the, the tools flying all <laughs> over the place, you know. And he'll wake up the next morning and turn the key and the thing will purr like a kitten. Now, you probably don't want to look under that hood because it's not going to be pretty. But if that's understood in the beginning, he's the guy for that. I've got another guy that's just straight A to Z. Uh, you have a project coming in. He needs it from scratch. He needs it from beginning to end, uh, and and he needs to be able to see the whole thing. Don't put him in the garage with the clunker because it's just not his brain doesn't function that way. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people don't realize about programmers. Programmers by themselves, their brains function a certain way that most people don't. Um, but even within the community of programmers, their individual brains have a tendency to function certain ways and see things differently. And we apply those to the particular projects that we have going on uh, as the best that we can. 
Uh, the other thing that I would add is, is quickly is we keep bringing this up, and I think we ought to address it, which is one of the reasons that people get into a jam and they get overbooked is because they don't know how to say no. You don't want to say no, because if you say no, you're, you don't want to lose the job or the customer. You don't want to scare anybody away. Uh, but in the end, saying no is always probably the best bet for something that you just know in your heart doesn't work. And so what we do is we take a very simple approach with the customer. We tell them very quickly this. I want your job, but my schedule does not permit it. So I have two choices. I can, I'm, I, I'm facing the opportunity of losing your business. So I have two ways to lose your business. I can say no and hope that you'll come back to me another time because I was being straight and honest with you. Or I can say yes and overbook myself and miss your deadlines and give you crappy code and do a bunch of garbage, in which case I know I'm going to lose your business because that's not what you hired me for. And every single time, every time we have that conversation with the customer, they are grateful. They're, Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'll come back to you on the next one. Let me go get somebody else. Saying no is a very, very powerful part of our business, and it's something we're not very good at and we need to get better at. So, so I'll, I'll follow up on that because I agree with you there, and I think it's harder to say no than it is to say yes. And, and I, I feel that it's an important part of what you do because you have to be honest and you ha have to – can't overcommit yourself because the last thing you want to do is find yourself in a situation where you're, you're not delivering. But I know a little bit about your business and, and mine is very similar in that our customers rely on us and they they really don't have another option. So um, I, I'll, I'll go back to you real quick, Mark. Um, what, how, how do you work that out? Um, because they if they are going to they, – they, they really – Inve or investing in this relationship, and, and obviously you can only do what we can do. But what what is the what, what are those potential outcomes if you uh, if you do have to say no, and and what what, what can you offer them? Well, uh, I offer them exactly what I told you, believe it or not. But again, my my situation is a little bit different than most independent programming firms. Uh, while we all pretty much do the same thing, we do them differently. Uh, what I mean by that is I do programming uh, almost exclusively for systems integrators. And I have five systems integrators that I work with almost exclusively. I have some other stuff that comes in. But for all intents and purposes, it's those same five. So uh, the relationship is there where we're already seeing the projects that are coming in from them. And if what happens is I bring it internally to the guys. I put them all together. I call a special call together if I have to. And put everybody in a room and go, look, they need this. And the guy that normally does it is is kind of crazy right now. I need somebody to pick this up and do this for them. They're an important customer. And the thing is, my guys, they all buy in and they all understand that. And so I can go to them because they know when I do, it's not all the time. That's the key. It can't be all the time. And my customers know that it can't be all the time. And they'll be the ones, we've all had customers call up and go, I know what you're thinking. Here I come. You're afraid to answer the phone because you know I got a hot one coming. They know it. And and yeah. so we are able to, uh, because of the relationship that we have with our customers on a regular basis for the last 12 years, it's easier for us to do it that way. Okay. I I, uh, I, I can understand and, and appreciate that, and, and it's something that we wrestle with. And, and uh, well, the, the methodology or the – the decision-making criteria that we use is we we look at it from a relationship standpoint and, right. and 
not not necessarily from what does this project mean to us, but but what is this something that we have to do for this customer? And obviously, looking at different situations based on on um, so if it's a one-off situation, it's a lot easier to, to say no. And but if it's something that is part of a relationship or is part part of uh, ongoing projects together, it's a lot harder. One of the things we wrote down when we first opened BMA was was prophetic even to this day, I thought, which was we wrote down a little note that reminded us we don't chase jobs, we chase customers. I don't want that job over there. That job, it looks good and it's juicy and it's meaty and it's got all the right things to it. I'm not interested in that if it's not with the right customer. I focus on the customer first and if I have the right customer, then the job will follow it. So I completely understand what you're saying. Go to the customer, take care of the customer, not necessarily the job. I said so job, Rich, I I'm I'm with you on that. So Rich, if you find yourself in a in a situation where you're in an expedited project and 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 you've signed up for that, what are the techniques that you could use to ensure that the project is going to go off as planned? But I'm sure that there are some things that are going to have to get compressed, and there there's there's probably a little bit of a different approach. Um, can can you share? a few things that have been Yeah, I mean it, it it comes it comes back to expectation management. I mean and that's the the key to any of these projects whether it's something that's planned out or whether it's a last minute project or it's a rush is expectation management. Typically on an expedited project the first thing that we we point out is that um you know this this you you, you are paying a premium for something. You're asking us to go above and beyond. Um because of this we have to be very careful. There may be some things that you know, because of the speed that we're moving, um, you know, we need a little patience on everybody's side. You know, there, there's a whole lot that's going on right now. We've we got a whole lot of things that are, are, are in play. Um, the biggest thing that we do at that time is we find that um, we ramp up our communication level more than anything else. Um, as we are deploying, um, we're like, look, here's the deal. You're basically saying you want all hands on deck. You want a commitment from us. It's a two-way street. I need you available the entire time because I do not have the leeway to wait on an email or to wait for four different people to get back to me. It's like when I call, you pick up. It's, it's you know, and we we and but we have the same relationship. I mean, the 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 running tagline that we we have with our clients because again, we're a boutique company and and we work by referral is that I always tell people, I said, you pay us for a reason. And I said, you don't necessarily pay me for the work. You pay me to pick up the phone. You pay me to respond. And that is what we're doing right now. You are paying for response time um, and a deliverable. And if that's going to happen, and like Mark was saying, is that, you know, you 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 choose the customer. You choose the client. Our model is the same way. We, we work primarily for integrators. Um, you know, I, I have a, a very tight gang of people who I've worked with anywhere from three to 25 years now at this point. So we know all, we know one another well, and I know the team that I'm walking in with, and we all know our strengths and weaknesses, which is, which is the most important part. And people have learned over the years that, you know, when I, when I get passed into a, into hour 10 or hour 11, then, you know, I stop being Uncle Richie and I become, what do they call me, girl rich? Uh, (laughs) 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 Uh, You know, and and that's important too. And and I think that is when you've been together for a period of time, and I think Mark can attest to it, 
you also got to learn um, what is it we we are we're together because of our tragic flaws and despite our tragic flaws. Um, and we and and you've got to be able to have that right team that you can work with and and I mean Mark might you know I, I can't believe I'm bringing up the second sports analogy this time but 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 it is it's 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 the guys that you're in the dugout with the guys that you're on the field with you you've got to be able to lean on one another and you've got to be able to call what one another out and I think that was what Mark was kind of alluding to which is I'm not going to cry wolf every single time. If I'm calling everybody together right. and I'm getting us all together, I mean it. I'm not. I'm you know. I'm not messing around. This point. This is. I'm asking for a reason. I'm not just doing it because we get it with clients. We get these ridiculous, you know, crisis and created crisis inflated timelines, and the sky is falling. And then all of a sudden, you find out after the fact it really wasn't that point. Now that winds up being from an expectation management a um, a, a problem that a lot of business owners run into. Is that all? Is that and that comes from saying no. That comes from saying, look, is this really a crisis or are you just inflating it to be a crisis because that's what you typically feel you need from your other vendors? Because some of the other vendors, they only work that way, right? And some, some of those guys only work when you're, you're screaming at them and saying, you know, if we don't get this done in two days, this whole thing's going to fall apart and it's going to be all your fault. You, and that's where the trust with, with your finding the customer comes in and not the job is being able to determine, is this really critical or are you just inflating it? And, and that's a... That takes a while. I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm better at it than I was, but I'm still not 100% accurate at being able to read those tea leaves all the time. Um, but uh, you know, back to your original point is that it's um, you got to be careful. And when you do, um, we find that we have to amplify our efforts. And from a communication standpoint and the commitment standpoint, at that point, our agreement becomes: Look, if if you're committed to it as much as we are, we're in. If you're not committed to it, then we're the wrong people. Because I need you as much as you need me right now, and and you know they're there and and we bring everybody in and it becomes a team effort because there's only so much that somebody can do. If I'm sitting there and I'm banging away code, I've got to be able to trust that somebody else can make sure that you know from the field everything's going on and 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 you know and again, God bless high speed internet because 20 years ago we we wouldn't have been able to do it, but now we're at the point where literally I can send over a couple of webcams, set it up on the site, I can have two junior techs over. And be able to point them in the right direction, or be able to show me what's physically going on, as opposed to in the old days, I was jumping on the plane. Mark remembers this, yeah. you know. I was, I was, you know, I was logging ridiculous domestic miles because. I'm sorry. Those were the days when we were working at Crestron, Steve. I'm sure you remember where Crestron was doing some programming, and they would have to send overnight a CD to the customer with the code on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's how they were delivering code. Um, See, I was on floppy days. Floppies, floppies. Exactly. <laughs> I, was a, I was a little bit after that. Um, in, a little bit deeper in the weeds, and I know Tim, our, our, talk, our clock is ticking, um, but a little bit deeper in the weeds, what he was saying is uh, part of the setting those expectations with the customer on a particular job that you know is going to be tight is to uh, make sure everybody understands milestones uh, and literally the milestones that are going to be involved. So when we start with the job, they say, I need to turn the room over here. Okay, well, if that's where we always start. We always start with the end. It's got to turn over here. If it's going to turn over here, I need code by here. In order to get code by here, I need panel approval by here. In order for panel approval here, I need panel submittal here. I need PO here. And these dates can't move. The minute these dates move, I can't promise you anymore. And once everybody understands that and they buy in, then the communication that Rich is talking about is so critical is in writing for everybody 
uh, it's a critical component. We always need to make sure we get involved in there. And, and I, I couldn't agree more to what, what you guys are saying. Uh, Tim, you had mentioned before the use of, of uh, subcontractors, and, and I thought that that was pretty intriguing in terms of having different ways to be able to expand your capacity and, and also create a little bit more efficiency. Any Anything else you could add there in terms of um, – I have a set staff, and and I have uh, more work than I can do. Um, what what are different ways that that you can approach it? Well, don't do it. You know, as soon as you have more work, right? And and both uh, Rich and, and Mark mentioned saying no. Um, we started with with a handful of subs. Uh, we were a subcontractor, and so we were like, hey, you know, we'll we'll, we'll expand ours by by bringing in subs. Um, you you take them on one at a time. And you test their code um, because there are going to be people who try to sell you the world um, based on certifications and based on, you know, customer um, reviews. But bottom line is, is, is if their code is not usable in your shop, then they're not a, 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 a viable option. Uh, they, may, they might write some of the best code in the world. They, their systems might be some of these ginormous systems. But if they don't fit in your culture, if they don't fit in with your programmers, then it's a non-starter, right? So their code and the way that they write and the way that they communicate has got to jive with your folks as well, uh, with, with your programmers. Um, so we would bring people on one at a time, and I would get honest feedback from, from the programmers that I managed saying, hey, does this work, right? Is, is this something that works for you? Is, is their code um, easy to understand? Is it something that you can integrate easily? If it's not, if we're spending as much or more time uh, integrating somebody else's code, whether it's base or what have you, then it was, you know, then then we would move on to the next person. It was not something that we would have to be set in stone by, you know, oh, we, we found this great program. No, if, if they didn't work for us, then um, then we would move on to the next person. And I would say just make sure that it works. If, if you're looking at subbing, um, bringing in subcontractors, just make sure that, that, that those subcontractors that you're looking at that they work within your system and with your programmers. Do, do you require them to meet any type of programming techniques or any any standard way of doing things, or or they have leeway? Have you ever tried making programmers go to buy standards? Well, I'm just tr- asking. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about standards? There's so many to choose so from. So many to choose from. Well, on that note, as uh, I, I think that this was this has been a great show, and and uh, we, we've hit our our time uh, allowance for today, but uh, certainly we'd love to continue this conversation and, and look for any feedback from anybody out there uh, wanting to, to talk about it some more, reach out to us uh, on social media and stuff. But I would like to, to thank our guests today, um, our uh, um, old friend, Mark Lavecchia. It was great to see you, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Really. How can you be reached? Uh, Smoke signals anymore these days is probably the best thing to do. What's your Twitter uh, account up to uh, these days? Twitter account is at Mark Lavecchia. Uh, I've got 108 followers now, Steve, although three of them, I don't know who those girls are, but they're <laughs> fine. Really hard to get my attention. Uh, you can also find us uh, at a safer place, which is bmasoftwaresolutions.com. Excellent. And uh, uh, Rich Fergosa, thanks for joining us today, Rich. Thanks. I uh feel like we had a, an episode of Lake Wobegon days and stories from the trenches. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I think it was, it was, it was fun. And uh, I think that sometimes we forget that we need to point out 
to guys that are starting out or guys that are kind of in the predicament that we were when we were starting out of uh, some lessons learned. Let let our lessons be your lessons. So thanks for having me on and being able to Absolutely. relay some of Uncle Richie's stories, the campfire chat. And how can everybody reach you? You can find me on the Twitters, uh, at rfragosa. Um, you can find me at fragosadesign.com. Type in my name to the Googles. Um, and uh, as of yesterday, uh, you can uh, follow me as one of the new Cedia tweeps. Uh, we had, unfortunately, a uh, one of our tweeps had a, a commitment that caused them not to be able to uh, attend so I was uh, the first alternate so I guess I Tanya Harding somebody and so (laughs) (laughs) why 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 (laughs) exactly so I'm in now so sorry Johnny Sanchez but we'll miss you but I'm glad I'm in you whacked (laughs) Johnny Sanchez seriously (laughs) guys and your tweet and stuff man you guys are just and do anything it's rough get in there it's do, rough. Man. Do you have a, a code for for uh, those uh, I will to be register? I'm posting the code after the show, so I'm Very still nice. up to code today. Uh, but yeah, you can follow us there. And uh, during Cedia, uh, you'll see us uh, for CE Pro and also for AV Nation. We'll have some cool surprises coming. Yes, uh, come Cedia. Very cool. With that lead in, uh, last but not least, Tim Albright. Thanks for being here, and thanks for uh, giving us the opportunity. Absolutely, dude. This is fun. This, this I, I told somebody I was talking to the other day. I said this 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 part of the industry is my is my my heart, my love. I, I love everything to do with programming. So um, I'm going to hang on with tooth and the nail for as long as I can. So Yeah, you're welcome here anytime. Thank you. Uh, and how can you be reached? Uh, just uh, the website, avnation.tv. Um, I've been, been giving, uh, I've been given a lot of grief about telling people not to follow me on Twitter. So if you are so inclined, it is TD, Tim David Albright, A-L-B-R-I-G-H-T. So I have three followers, and I and I think it's the same three followers that Lavecchia has. So, yeah. <laughs> come on, guys, we gotta gotta push Snapchat. Come on. Oh yes, in Snapchat, we are on Snapchat. So, right. listen, you finally got me on Twitter, and now you're moving me to Snapchat. <laughs> no, no, Lavecchia, Lavecchia, Mark, Mark, you sh- you should not be on, <laughs> on Snapchat. Everybody <laughs> oh, else, but not you. With, with like the little curled bouquet of flowers. Yes. Challenge accepted. <laughs> See you there. Well, thank you guys. This is a great episode. Uh, for all those listening and watching, uh, please visit the website, avnation.tv. Um, we'd also like to hear from you. And if you have some topics that you'd like us to discuss, or even if you'd like to throw your hat in the ring and uh, be part of the show, please reach out. Uh, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, all those types of things. Snapchat's the one that I've been doing uh, a lot lately and just having some fun with it. And uh, and you can reach my company at controlconcepts.net. Uh, that's all we have for today. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.